Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today in JoJo's world in memoriam of those we've lost. What the hell is going on? Arena Joestar, Robert E.O. Speedwagon. What? Nazi cyborg Rudolph von Stroheim. <laughs> George Michael. <laughs> no! No! Ashes to ashes. Joseph's to Joestar's. Oh, God. I'm Liam S. Smith, and I'm one of your co-hosts. What, what, what did you just do? Welcome to JoJo's world. Now I'm depressed. I'm, I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other co-host. What is going on? Today we watched episode 26 of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, the last episode of Battle Tendency, uh, the Ascendant one. Uh. This episode covers uh, chapters 111 through 113 of the manga, though it really kicks off sort of near the end of 111. Absolutely. I would agree entirely. It's <laughs> sure. not really a matter of opinion. <laughs> <laughs> So we have been meaning to acknowledge the passing of George Michael for the past couple of weeks, but we kept forgetting. It's almost been like... Given what? we are in the Jojo part where a significant character is named after his band. Yeah, and yet for some reason every week you've forgotten it. Oh, I've forgotten it, right. Well, well I reminded you every <laughs> night beforehand, clearly. I, I was could have brought it up during the episode. Yeah, I could have. But this isn't about, <laughs> this isn't about infighting, this is about, you know... It's... George Michael had some good songs. I guess sad that he won't be producing anymore. Yeah. I mean, I never listened to his stuff, but at the same time, he had quite a profound impact. So, mm. you know, there's that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this is a weird segment, isn't it? <laughs> George Michael. He, he's gone. Neither of us know enough about George Michael. <laughs> oh, I know a reasonable amount. I just don't really, you know, want to bring the mood down by being a, doing a big eulogy. Well, I mean, you just had Dearly Beloved. <laughs> that was a joke, though. Oh, all right. Okay, fine. So we open where we left off last time. Kaza's in the lava. Stroheim is just a torso. Joseph's there. They're both watching cars in the lava being like, did it work? Have we won? Spoiler alert. No. Well, first it looks like it does because Kaz is like, I need to create armor like a clam or a crab. <laughs> Which is totally impervious to lava. So he does that and it doesn't work. The armor just burns away too. However. Stroheim's like, you idiot, that's magma. Sorry, Joseph said that, sorry. <laughs> Joseph is the one that calls people idiots here. Yeah. Stroheim is like, Germany. Germany's the best. You dummy, that's lava. It's a thousand degrees in there. Now burn to a crisp, you cocky bastard. So he does. Then there's a big explosion, and with a really underwhelming line read, Stroheim goes, ouch. <laughs> Yow. Yowza. Doesn't he say, like, youch in the sub? Yeah. He's just like, youch. Like, okay. Joseph has himself a little moment here. He's like, we did it. He shoots his fist up into the sky and sparkles are everywhere. He is resplendent in his yeah. victory. And then, you know, his party gets kind of pooped on because the ground splits and Stroheim's like, oh, the volcano's erupting. We should really get out of here. This is a bad sign, Jojo. <laughs> Joseph goes to pick up Stroheim, hoists him on his back. And as he does and walks away, the ground splits further. There's a shimmer of rainbow light. And Joseph's arm is severed, sort of, just above the wrist. Ooh. His left arm. Ooh. How sinister. I'm sorry, I just got really hype in that bit. This is a really hype episode. So, as uh, his hand gets cut off, we see cars emerge from the lava in a new form of armour. Yeah, so it looks, like, it looks almost like a sort of terracotta warrior. It does! Oh, damn! <laughs> it's made of, uh, I guess, chitin. Probably coated in some sort of special lava-deflecting oil. Yeah, something to do with oil, for sure. <laughs> if there's one thing about part two, it's that there's a lot of oil. Joseph is obviously screaming in pain. Cars cracks his armour away. Uh, the colour palette shifts so that he has bright yellow hair. Joseph has green hair. He's beautiful. Cars so is just, beautiful. like, really smugging it up. 
Joseph screaming and he goes, uh, Music to my ears. You perform that aria perfectly. I've so longed to hear you sing it, Jojo. And he's just there being like, <laughs> Now, if you pay attention to the sort of narrative structure of this fight, you know that this is a real bad situation because the whole thing has been Joseph trying to keep distance between him and Cars and trying to figure out how to destroy him. Yeah. Whereas now he's right next to him. He's basically incapacitated and... He has no Cars idea. could basically just kill him at his leisure like he's been bragging about how he's going to do this entire time. Yeah, pretty much. But before that happens, Stroheim's cyborg eye analyzes a scrap of Cars' armor and we get a science lesson. <laughs> science lesson time. Well, uh, first, Cars created some crab shell. Uh-huh. To block the lava, but it didn't work. Makes sense. So he created a second layer of armor, which was bubbles. Sure. So okay. as the crab shell burns away, uh-huh. it creates a pocket of air between the bubbles and Kaz's flesh, which mitigates the, the heat for a bit, right? Yes. I that, guess that makes sense? Yeah, because conduction is faster than convection. Okay. As we all remember, don't we, from our science lessons. And this gives him the time to... um. Swim, for lack of a better word. <laughs> uh, it is liquid, so... Yeah, to the the wall of the volcano, start punching his way through it, and we see from his perspective, he's doing that, he punches upwards, we see the crack, we see Joseph carrying Stroheim from behind. Casually. And we see Kaz's arm stick through the crack and slice. And then I really like the way we see that all from his perspective, yeah. and we see him looking at uh, Joseph from behind. Like, through the through the, um, the crevice. Yes. That's a really sort of attractive shot to me. Oh, so good. <laughs> I just love that he has, like, no armor, and he's like, wait, bubbles. And then in his genius, he goes, cool, now to punch through the wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> could have just sort of got out. Yeah, could have just walked out, snuck up, anything like that. Nah, punch Doesn't even him. need to sneak, he's invulnerable. <laughs> oh, he's a fighting genius, isn't he? It doesn't even need to be, though. I mean, at a certain point, when you're so powerful, strategy becomes a, a second thought. <laughs> you're just like, man, how am I actually going to win? doesn't really matter. I'm going to win, yeah. so... And we segue straight from this science lesson into a history lesson. Oh, go or a on. prehistory lesson, as the case may be. True. How many years ago is this? 10,000? The only indication we're given is it's that before humans had the idea to keep records. Hmm. This is the literal definition of prehistoric times. Damn it. <laughs> Okay, so it's pre-BC, pretty much. Yeah. Pre-10,000 It was BC? really weird in, uh, in BC times when people were like, man, I wonder what these years are counting down to. <laughs> it's like you wake up one day, it's like, man, the numbers are going down. It's like in Star Wars when they're like, oh, we're in the uh, 10 years before the Battle of Yavin. I bet that's going to be a pretty sick battle. Isn't there actually like a year system in Star Wars that's like LLY or something like that, though? Well... Outside of universe, Star Wars fiction news dates things based on the Battle of Yavin, which is the yeah. climax of the first Star Wars movie, which makes sense because I guess that's the our first sort of... That's the centre point of everything. Of the happens. universe, yeah. yeah. But obviously that can't be what they use in, in universe, universe yeah. because that'd be nonsense. But I mean, BC exists. But they weren't using it at the time. This you is... don't know this. It's true, I don't. <laughs> it was 50 BC, the year that Asterix took place. <laughs> Asterix remarked, ah, uh, yes. I, I must overcome the sun. <laughs> <laughs> I must become the ascendant being that I was born to be. Not Asterix this... creates the stone mask. And then he ascends, becoming better than his small form. That he, he and his friend to. Obelix kill all the other villagers except for two kids and a dog. <laughs> he enjoys nature. He does feed off it quite a lot. <laughs> Let's put this aside. 
cars and his people were a race that evolved alongside humans. Mm-hmm. Would you call them vampiric in nature? Kind of, in that they consumed other life to live, uh-huh. though the rest of his race did it at a much slower race to cars did after he put on the stone mask. Yeah, it was sort of like he was born and then everything changed. Yeah, we're told about how early humans revere, revere these life forms as gods, though they were they lived in harmony with nature and were a peaceful society. Mm. So I guess like it'd be like, oh, you guys are really powerful, we'll pay you tribute, and I guess you'll probably give us some boon with your powerful abilities, and maybe in return you won't eat us. Yeah. You'll, you'll eat, like, cows and junk. That is the 100% definitive way of not getting eaten by them. <laughs> it's just being like, hey guys, if we give you stuff, you won't eat us, right? That's. But also, they seem pretty chill in general. Yeah, they seem quite nice. Yeah. They seem very, uh, hey look, nature is our friend, because we eat it. It's all part of the life cycle, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like, we grow the seeds. <laughs> nature, no, hang on. I'm doing a young one's bit here. <laughs> it goes, uh, we sow the seeds, nature grows the seeds, and then we eat the seeds, and then we sow the seeds, <laughs> and so on. And this keeps happening until the other guy kills him with a shovel. <laughs> Pretty much. Bits from TV shows, our favourite segments. Yep. Yep. Until one day, a genius... A man of great pride and ambition was born amongst them. I was sad he wasn't a fighting genius. <laughs> you got to put this aside, Nick. Look, it, okay, he is a fighting he's genius. He's dead. Okay, all right, fine. Fine, fine. So he's born. Yep. He's like, strength is hidden in this body. Talents we cannot dream of. I shall be the one to unlock them. So he makes this mask. He makes this dope looking mask. I really like the way they... The way they sort of show the stone mask initially in this shot, it almost looks like it's kind of alive because mm. it has those spikes sticking out of it, but they're almost sort of rippling as if they're tendrils. They're like tentacles almost. Yeah. Mm. I guess that's sort of a, a nice sort of visual way to... Highlight the danger. Yeah. And ferocity of the stone mask. Precisely. Something yeah. that never should have been created. Ooh. Well, for humans at least. So this enhances Kaz's abilities, uh, but also means he has to consume life at a much higher rate. And the narrator tells us if left unchecked, he would devour every living thing on Earth. He gets pretty close this episode, actually. <laughs> and then all the other... I guess they're pillow men still. Well... They lived underground, the sun still killed them. Yeah, but I suppose you wouldn't call them pillow men, like... They wouldn't have called themselves pillow men because pillow men came from, oh, we found them on a pillar. Yeah, they had a sort of pillar-like structure in their they cave did. thing, though. That yeah. looked, it looked a bit like Santana's pillar. It looked like a beehive, in a sense. Or an ant hive, where... It's sort of like a spiral sort of staircase that goes into all these different rooms where Mm. they must have lived. Except it was a tree... Stone thing. thing. Yeah. (laughs) It was cool. So they're all like, his very existence is a threat. We have to wipe out his evil. And Kaz is like, no, guys, join me. Let's stand in the sunlight and be gods. Uh, They don't. And while he's saying that, you can very briefly see a shot of ACDC standing like back to back with him and all the other guys have surrounded him. Mm. Something I noticed while we were watching today for the first time... Mm -hmm. In this scene, Kaz has his fangs, but uh, the other ones that we see in the battle scene don't have fangs. Ah. So, this is analogous to them being vampires to our humans. Right. So, it's kind of like, once he puts the mask on, he becomes... The equivalent of a pillar man vampire. Yeah. Even though the others still consume other life, I guess, he has to do a lot faster. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's kind of like, we eat animals. We eat life. So, maybe we're... We're the vampires after all. We're the pillarmen. Pulls off the rubber mask on my face to reveal the stone mask. Pulls that off to reveal Dio's face. (laughs) 
And I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you meddling Joe stars. God damn it. Remember Scrappy-Doo? Let's not get into this. <laughs> <laughs> ACDC and uh, Cars kill all the other pillar men. Like, literally, they just straight up murder them. Yep, including his parents. This, why was that highlighted? It's a, I guess it's to show, like, his ruthlessness. Mm. And I suppose they uh, they also mentioned that they never really bred because they lived so long. Yeah, so there were and very they rarely few. died. Yeah, there were few children, they rarely died. So they took the only two kids, which we know to be Santana and Wamu. Yep. And, uh, you know, set off to find the red stone, which I guess they didn't really necessarily know was the red stone at the time, but mm. whatever would let them achieve their goals. Now, here's what gets me, right? Mm-hmm. Is that Cars has a lot of hair back then, but he hasn't put it in any, like, cloth. I want to know what brought on the clothening of his great mane. Was it to hide himself? Was it something <laughs> I must else? make myself humble before I can become the ultimate being. I must hide my amazing hair. <laughs> you see this mane? You see this mane? You never get to see it again. So this sort of goes a step further towards giving Wamu a sort of sympathetic characterization in that he isn't necessarily of his own accord a bad guy he was just like raised by a total asshole <laughs> this is true everything he ever knew was basically yeah man fuck everything yeah we're gonna get more powerful and eat everything <laughs> so now we know now we now know. you know the rest of the story but we don't have an answer to why would he and do that cars's name was albert einstein ow who i guess was alive during this part what 1950 30 1941? 1939 is the year. 1939? Maybe? I mean, Cars worked on the... Sorry, Albert Einstein worked on the Manhattan Project, which was World War II, so... True, he did. Maybe he was. I'm pretty certain. There you go. Albert Einstein, confirmed. Pillar Man. Yep, we got there. 1987 is actually just an undead Albert Einstein (laughs) as the main antagonist. That'd be pretty cool. It's like, I'll use the power of science to defeat you. Hamon is useless. The nuclear bomb, however... (laughs) Back in the present, Stroholm's like, this tyrant has become a deity. Against such a foe, there is nothing we can do. Half true. (laughs) Half true. I've got a note here that I don't really understand. Here that I think Jojo is trying to tell me something. Screaming. (laughs) What? I don't know. As in like here, as in like here, or here as in here. Oh, uh, yes, that's right. This is cars being smug when Joseph's like making pain noises and he's like, uh, what's that, Jojo? Are you trying to tell me something? Ah, uh, yes. And Joseph sort of gathers his resolve and does a ham on overdrive kick. It doesn't go well no. for him. No, no. Cars is like, what? Ham on? Did you say ham on overdrive? And counters with like an elbow drop also loaded up with ham on. He just crushes his shin, yeah. basically. And well, his knee, because we see Joseph's knee start to melt and vaporise before mm. our very eyes. And then it's like, what? Why is it vaporising? Well, well, Cars has can't be killed by the Ripple anymore, so he thought it would be poetic to use it to kill Joseph. My god. that He really is a massive arsehole, yeah. isn't he? You know, as we say shortly, this hubris is his downfall. Mm, it is. His cockiness works against him. He's like Icarus. Ooh. The wings flies too close to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> In yeah. the sense that he's still very far away. He's but... flown the closest to the sun of ever- anyone on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So, um... Denial and... will get you nowhere, my friend. Hamon did that. I conquered the sun itself. What makes you think Hamon was something beyond my reach? Now, is this actually Hamon, or is this his interpretation of Hamon? I mean, he's doing the breathing technique. He's melting Joseph in the way that <laughs> vampires melt when they get hit. He's, he's melting Joseph. Yep. That much is certain. 
It's, it's hundreds of times stronger than Jojo's. Uh, Stroheim says it's as if he brushed his knee against the sun, which is a very visceral description, I think. Very apt for what's to come. Yeah. He goes, uh, how do you like a taste of your own medicine? Joseph whimpers. A very articulate reply. This is it. I'm going to end it here. This is the end. Now, Kaz is taking in his breath here and he's sort of glowing with sort of Hamon energy, but his looks very sinister compared to what we see when Joseph mm. and Jonathan do it. It's like red sparks all over. and It's still very sparkly and very shiny. It's just that the colours are a bit more dominant. Yeah. Uh, a lot... It's still a lot of the rainbow nature, but... Also like sinister redness. And... Yeah. He does look like a massive asshole. Menacing katakana. <laughs> always katakana. <laughs> That's what we've always been saying. <laughs> We're knowledgeable. The narrator chimes in. Jojo accepted his impending demise calmly. He felt no fear. He felt no fear. He felt no fear. He felt no fear. No pain. No regret at his plight. I did all I could, he told himself. This is all Stroheim's fault, he told himself. <laughs> that bloody Stroheim. Bloody UV amplifier. <laughs> if it wasn't for that bloody German, I would have gotten away with it would've too. We've just walked up to cars and punched him with some ham on and this all would have been over. Do you reckon this is the start? Of uh, his eventual racism that he feels. <laughs> well, he's only racist against the Japanese. Yeah, 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 but imagine if, like, who were allies of the Nazis in World War Two. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's what it was. Oh, that's the connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like if Stroheim did better, if the Germans did better, wouldn't have uh, any vampires. Nazi collaborator and racist Joseph Joester. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Nazi collaborator, but he hates everyone that's associated with the Nazis mm-hmm. because they're shit and didn't help. <laughs> <clears throat> As the epitome of evil loomed over Jojo in triumph, he watched his dying self with perfect clarity. Stroheim felt much the same. Unable to move, he knew what snake prey felt like as it stares into oblivion's more. Bad. Yep. Yep. The dub says something about, like, he knew what a frog felt like as it's swallowed by a snake, unable to move. And you oh, remarked, yeah. like, this is a really tortured analogy. <laughs> Some of the analogies that crop up, great. You know, like... Think of it as though the bubbles are like a shield. And you're like, okay, cool, the bubbles are like a shield. And then it's kind of like a frog getting eaten by a snake. Like, yes. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) I am not a frog. Nor have I had the pleasure of witnessing a frog getting eaten by a snake. Can't really (laughs) put this to a giant super creature slashing off his arm. Not much room there. So cars are sort of smugging around about how... um... It's going to be so ironic that I kill you with Hamon. This is going to be great. Don't you get it? You used Hamon, and now I'm using Hamon. And so you're the one that's going to lose. Oh, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) And we get a window into Joseph's internal monologue where he's like, stronger Hamon than mine is. Wait, the red stone amplifies Hamon. What? And we get a shot of the red stone set against blackness passing in front of the screen, which sort of pans out to reveal Joseph's hand moving it. And then there's... In slow motion, Kaz's outstretched fingertips... With sparkly lightning. Yep, move towards it. And halftime break. Oh, God, so hype! This is such... I really love this moment. Um, Let's skip our dumb ad talk that we always do. Oh, God damn it! (laughs) Okay, we'll get to that later. The Red Stone of Aja! But why did Jojo brandish it at Kaz at that final moment? Why did he do this? Even he had no idea. As if by instinct, he lunged the stone at the approaching Hamon to which it gravitated. (gasps) And there's this musical sting as the 
hand makes contact with the stone and then Sonichino Sadame kicks in and it's just super, super hype and we get flashbacks of like Joseph fighting Santana, Joseph and Caesar doing their pose in the uh, Colosseum that time, Joseph fighting ACDC, Joseph fighting Whamu. It's just the hypest moment <laughs> in this whole series. Just gonna stand back for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I just, oh my god, I'm just... It's so, so hype. good. It is so hype. A laser shoots out of the stone, I guess through Jojo's hand, uh, into the ground, into the volcano beneath the ground. And then? Then, fueled by the magnified blast of Hamon, the volcano's fury reaches breaking point and erupts. There's a boom. There's fiery katakana everywhere. And the chunk of rock that Kars and Joseph are standing on gets launched into the sky. Stroheim gets launched onto a nearby wall. Yeah, he's fine. He's just, like, struggling for dear life. He's like, well, how am I getting home now? That guy was my ride. (laughs) He had the plane. He crashed the plane. Well... I have no legs. Screw it. (laughs) He, um, ejects his head from his body with, like, a helicopter rotor. He's like, well, I'm going home now. (laughs) Inspector Gadget... (laughs) I don't know the actual theme, I just, yeah. Laser cannon! Go, go, Nazi lasers. <laughs> go, go, Aryan race. <laughs> cannon, a go, go. Do you really think a little eruption will be enough to conquer the likes of me? I'll just fly my way to safety. Enjoy the fruits of your folly, Jojo. I mean, Jojo didn't really do this. <laughs> this is literally him being like, suck it, losers. This is your own demise. It's like, Kaz is spreads his wings in a really cool shot where he moves towards the camera, then it cuts away to the wings spreading and he flies off the rock. Mm. But then, for the second time in this confrontation, a severed hand lunges into Kaz's neck, <laughs> piercing his throat this time. Jojo! Joe! That was my attempt at... Yeah. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> Jojo's like, who's laughing now, huh? Yeah, dumbass. <laughs> Let me guess. You're gonna say, did you plan this too, Jojo? Tell me. And Kaz is like, how do you always know? And then, time freezes. The narrator is like, for a moment, Kaz was distracted by Jojo's arm and his cocky attitude. And that moment was all it took. Scalding rocks he didn't see coming launched him higher into the stratosphere. Kaz's body is pierced by these volcanic sort of rocks like baseball sized chunks of rock that hit him all along his body yeah and it doesn't kill him but it propels him upward. upwards did you plan this too Jojo tell me he was the idiot all <laughs> along you thought I was stupid but you're so stupid Kaz uh, Jojo has this great monologue where he's like why are you even asking I set the trap and you walked right into it all of this went down like clockwork Shoots his hand into the sky again. And then we get a beautiful, like, faded shot of his face where he's like, I had no idea that that would happen, but it'll drive him crazy. (laughs) That's such just a Joseph thing. He just lucks into his victory and he's like, I'm just gonna psychologically destroy him while he's banished to the darkness of space. He's just like, you know what? Fuck you too. Got an opportunity to rub some salt into the wound. I'm going to take it. To be fair, he knows he's going to win. Yeah. He's just like, that's it. He also probably thinks he's going to die. So Yeah, this is his last opportunity to have a bit of fun. Yeah. So the rocks that are preventing cars reach escape velocity. Nothing on Earth could kill him, but he was blasted into the vacuum of space. As the song hits that bit where it goes, Joe! Joe! Dylan. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought you were doing the opening of no, no, Buddy's that, Dream. No, that'd be... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not quite. I really like this shot where we see the chunk of rock that Joseph is on basically 
at the top of the world. Yeah, literally. What we think of as the world. Intra-atmosphere. Yeah. But so high that he can see everything. And we see it reaching the apex of its ascent. And just sort of slowing and moving slightly to the right. And and then slowly going fall. down. Joseph sort of lays down, accepting his death. He's like, ah, yes. Yeah. I'm sad. And it's over. Granny. Von Stroheim. Old Speedwagon. Old Speedwagon. Not young Speedwagon. Old Speedwagon. Old speedwagon. <laughs> Canonical old Speedwagon. <laughs> Lisa Lisa. Not Messina. <laughs> Von Stroheim. Not Messina. <laughs> you literally, when he was saying, he's like, ah, yes. Speedwagon. Lisa Lisa. And then you just went... And Messina. <laughs> Everyone. Goodbye. He literally names all of the surviving named characters except for Messina. <laughs> it's so good, though. That's his purpose. It's like that bit in um, the Gilligan's Island opening theme where it names like three quarters of the characters and then just goes, and the rest. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else that you ever knew, cough. That woman from the Brooklyn Bridge who's tooth uh, straight so cool <gasps> I remember you fondly. <laughs> God damn it. Everything has led up to this moment. That one Nazi guy that I strapped to a, a cactus. Everything has been just for this point in time. I'll remember you all. Goodbye. Except Messina. <laughs> who was that guy? I'm sorry, who? who? Me- Mess- Messina. Me- Mess- I-, I-, I don't know who you're talking about, sorry. He's just some monk guy. Nah, I'm sure I would have remembered it, some guy like that. He, he trained me up. Hmm. Well, trained Caesar up, mainly. I had Loggins. I miss Loggins. Where yeah. was Loggins in all of this? See, the thing about Loggins is he entered the danger zone. He, he did. didn't come back. Yeah. Meanwhile, back on the ground, Stroheim sort of screams in anguish, and the narrator tells us that eight hours later he made it back to the others and told them everything. Yeah, he basically said, I'm sorry, but Jojo's gone. He died 1939. The text on the screen tells us, February 28, 1939, on Isola di Volgano, Joseph Joestar has died. It's a sad day. Meanwhile, cars in space, 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 So space. I fucking love this scene. This is great. This is amazing. <laughs> cars is like, don't panic, just find the Earth. He shoots some of those whammy air pipes out of his back. And Problem. Like, I'll just shoot some air out, change my trajectory, uh, and kill Jojo. Problem. He starts freezing. Yep. The pipes freeze, cars freezes. Uh, so he, sh- he shoots his wings out, they freeze. So he's like, there's literally no way I can change my direction. I'm going to be hurtling away from Earth forever. This is going to suck. Shit. And then as he keeps freezing more and more, he turns back into, like, half mineral, half... Yeah, he just, like, t- takes yeah. on his rock form, I guess. Yeah. And so the narrator kicks in and is like, and so he turned back. Oh, I've got the quote here, if you'd oh, like. Yes, do it. Uh, we get a shot of cars as, like, a chunk of rock. It, in the anime, it's like some sort of CG construction that honestly doesn't look great, yeah. but it gets the job done. It has his face yeah. perfectly sculpted and everything else looks like garbage. <laughs> so ended Cars, last and greatest of the Pillar Men. He floated through space for the rest of time, never to return. He wished for death, but there was nothing out there to kill him. The spark of thought went dim within him, and then silent. So basically he got so angry and so bored that he stopped thinking. Cars live forever, stops thinking. Fucking amazing. Bye. That's genius. <laughs> genius way to deal with it. It's a real harsh sort of... Uh... Yeah, well, he's a massive yeah. asshole. It's, it's like, the only logical way to stop him at this point is to get him away from Earth. Yep. So... Later, dog. Yeah, so he does, and it's just like, cool. He gone. <laughs> no way he's coming back to Earth now. Um, I can tell you now that, you know, Jorge Joestar, that novel we were talking about? Yeah. Because of some space-time fuckery that happens in that, there are 36 versions of cars that all end up living on Mars together. 
<laughs> okay. Because they all got launched into space and landed on Mars. <laughs> okay. Yep, yep. Sure. That's basically all I can talk about from there. Oh my god. Okay. Wait, so they all got launched to the same Mars? Yeah. And they just lived together? Yep. That's a sitcom waiting to happen. <laughs> That's like, hey, how was digging? Oh, uh, it was good. Yeah, I found uh, nothing. Again. There's nothing I we can use. I found evidence of water. It's like, there's nothing on this barren, dead planet. Thanks for asking for the thousandth time. Year three begins. <laughs> so, um, that's the end of the climax. Sick. Fucking. Good fight. Sick. A lot of people talk smack about this fight because like, oh, Joseph just has to run away from cars and he can't fight him. But I think what when it comes down to it, in basically all of Joseph's fights, he's outmatched by a opponent he can't compete with on a physical level and this just sort of takes that to the logical extreme yeah where it's like oh yeah well he, into space you go yeah, he thinks quick he um he hatches a plan to get away from him and then uh, a gambit to destroy him he tricks him along the way with the parachute in mm. that uh you know he uses quick thinking he uses a, a little bit of luck well, a which lot of is, luck is central to the joseph joestar strategy <laughs> <laughs> and then uh yeah he kills him yeah well he doesn't well kill is a strong word but, you know, it's good. It's good, logical fun. It's a fate worse than death, really. It's very sort of... um Yes. Uh, fitting with them being sort of physically inspired by statues of, like, the Greek gods and stuff. It's very sort of uh, almost Greek tragedy-style mm. punishment. So good. Sort of Sisyphean. Ooh, very nice. Or who's that guy where, like, twice a day or whatever, vultures would eat his liver? Um, Not Orpheus, because Orpheus was the one who had his lover that he could never look at. Mm, yeah. Uh... Wasn't it his eyes? Oh, I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah, that guy. Yeah. No idea. Maybe his name was George Michael. The real zombie. It's April 1939. We're at a cemetery. Ah. A red car is pulling up as Joseph's friends and various miscellaneous well-wishers that walk away when the actual scene starts. Yeah, no one knows who they are. <laughs> they just hire a mourner. <laughs> uh, are all at Joseph's funeral. Oh, no, he's dead. We see his tombstone. It's uh, 1920 through 1939. Uh, a priest is reciting uh, that Lord's Prayer. Hello to be thy name. Yep, that one. Yep, that one. The red car stops. Boots get out of it. And we see the boots walking up to the crowd. Smokey gives a really heartfelt eulogy where he's like, in the end, I only really knew you for six months, Jojo, but you changed my life. You were the only friend I really had. Mm, yeah. Apart from Granny Erina. <laughs> but let's be honest, she's going to die pretty soon. Uh, yeah, Sm- Speedwagon is holding an umbrella above her head. There's a light drizzle. He's like, come on, Arena, It won't do to catch a cold. Let's get you home. Mm-hmm. And then... Then we see in the background a sort of really buff guy sneaking up behind Arena, uh-huh. And he puts his hands over her eyes. And he's like, guess who? That doesn't sound like we anyone We still don't see this guy's ha- face for a while. <laughs> it's very obvious who it is. No, I don't think it is. Everyone is sort of slowly looking and gasping individually. He's like, what gives, fellas? I finally make it to New York and no one was there to pick me up. Then I got word you were all at a funeral, so I decided to crash it. Hey, Lisa, Lisa, guess you healed up pretty well. Huh, Messina, good to see you too, I L- guess. <laughs> literally everyone's like, Jojo? My new hand works well. Click, 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 click. Though I've been meaning to ask Stroheim if he can stri- if he can jazz it up with a few gadgets or tools or whatnot. I guess that's right out with us fighting Germany, though. <laughs> Everyone is just so incredulous. And then a couple of guys tackle him, being like, Stop interrupting his funeral! There are people trying to mourn! Yeah, and we see his face for the first time as he, like, flips the guy who's grappling him, and it's Joseph Joestar, what? 
Jojo! He's alive! What the? But how? Obviously, we all know how. You're staring at me as if you've seen a ghost. I know it's a funeral. Oh, what the? What's my name doing on that tombstone? Because you dared. And then, who should walk up but Susie Q? Ugh. Except, here's the thing. She has a lot more, like, sass to her Yeah, she's got a lot more sort of... She's, like, swaying a lot. She's got some swagger. Yeah. She's like, Jojo, you shouldn't run off in the rain like that. You're still sick. And then she holds out her umbrella and everyone sees she's wearing a wedding ring. What? what? But what? what's the wedding ring for? What, you don't know that we got married? Did you not get the telegram? Susie Q, didn't you send that telegram that I asked you to send? Whoops. Now, now, let's not get all clicky fingers. <laughs> and then he does the clicky finger yep. thing. She runs away and Jojo's like, Oh, what the hell? You had one job, woman. One job. And then just furiously runs after her. Smokey falls to his knees and cries with joy and everyone else smiles. Smiles and onlooks as Joseph chases his wife in a rage. <laughs> she hides behind the car and he starts climbing over it. Damn it, you will get a thorough beating. And I was like, that's our Jojo. <laughs> so this scene. How do you feel? Joseph Joestar. He doesn't know it's his funeral. Yep. He thinks everyone else is at a funeral for someone else. And he's like, I'm going to show up and just start being a real piece of shit at, while everyone else is mourning someone else. Yeah, it's classic Joseph. He just has no, he has no sort of respect for anyone else's feelings. He has zero tact. What an arsehole. I love him. Well, this is going to feed into my... Uh... Your predictions? Yeah. Ah, okay. We'll get to that in due course. Yeah. So this is the end of the narrative proper and everything from this point on is basically kind of epilogue. We get one yeah. of those sort of... You know in college movies when it's always like bunch machuggins went on to invent Apple and became a billionaire. Yeah, and we have that final bit of fist held up from Breakfast Club where yeah. it's like, you know... Don't you forget about me. I went on to become a CEO. She went on to live in jail. We were all different. I, don't think, we, I think we explicitly don't get an epilogue in Breakfast Club. No, we don't. Because it's like, are we still going to be friends after this magical day that we spent together? Irrelevant. <laughs> and then hold fist up. But you know, that kind of like thing happens where it's like, yep, this is what happened afterwards. Yeah. Lisa Lisa eventually told Jojo she was his mother. And then along with Susie Q, they both moved to America. Hey! hey. She found love with a Hollywood screenwriter in 1948 and remarried. Hey! Hey, good for you, Lisa Lisa. The woman who never aged. The woman who never really fulfilled her narrative potential. <laughs> Pretty much. To do, She got to kill a chumpy vampire and then got trounced by cars. Damn it. It's not enough. Still cool, though. Still cool. Still fucking badass. Yeah, we see them all on the boat heading to America. Arena Joestar continued her work as a teacher, which she apparently was. Sure. First I've heard of it. Okay, <laughs> yep. In 1950, she died peacefully at the age of 81, surrounded by friends and family who loved her. And we see that. She's laying in bed. She looks really old. Joseph, Joseph is, is there a with... fucking monster compared to other human <laughs> yeah. beings. He's there with a blonde daughter with his hand on her head. Ah, there you go. Uh, Robert E.O. Speedwagon continued to pour his energy into philanthropic research, hoping to further science and medicine. He died in 1952 of a heart attack at 89 years old. Uh, a lifelong bachelor. He left no family behind. No! The last shot of him is basically, I think, on an air on an airstrip tarmac, like when we first saw him as old Speedwagon, walking yeah. with his back to the camera. Yep. That's very sort of symbolic. Mm. R.I.P. Speedwagon, you were there for Jonathan, you were there for Joseph. And then he's gone. Yep. But he leaves the Speedwagon Foundation. Mm. Alas, no family. 
Smokey Brown went on to work his way through college. Majoring in political science, he became the first ma- first black mayor of a, of a city in his home state of Georgia. Hey! I don't know if you know much about Georgia, uh, but it's not... It's not easy. Particularly given the time. Hmm. Not really the most progressive state when it comes to... Black politics. Yeah. Yeah. So good yeah. on you, Smokey. Yeah, GG. <laughs> Major Rudolf von Stroheim would never see Jojo again. He died in 1943 at the Battle of Stalingrad. A fearsome example of the German science he'd always championed. Now, here's the best thing. Stroheim gives a salute. He's like, you keep on trucking, Once space again, cowboy. his back is to the camera, symbolising him moving away from the audience. However, as he does so, what does he scream? Our technology is the greatest! And out from his back come like six tentacles yeah. all with like, weapons go, on. Go gadget arms. There's like a Tommy gun on one. That's the only one I really picked out. Like an M90 and then <laughs> one like of them's just this... a knife. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's like Doc Ock but with yeah. guns. And You're like, what? I guess that's like him making his last stand. Amazing. <laughs> He's like, German technology is the best! And then we're back for one last shot at the cemetery as Joseph and Susie Q are joining their friends. Yep. And the narrator tells us, and so the years flowed by to a new generation. And as for Jojo, JFK, International Airport, New York, 1987. Ooh. A suitcase hits an old man's foot and he's like, hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> he's like, God damn it, you young ruffian. Sorry about that. You should watch where you're going. You wouldn't want a broken bone at your age. Hey, hang on a minute. No, well, first he's really reasonable. He's like, you're right. Very careless of me. I guess this is a case of live and learn. Hey, hang on a minute. Are you Japanese? You're Japanese! You. Uh, yeah, I am Japanese. Why do you ask? Kicks him in the leg. Doesn't even just kick him in the leg, like, grabs him by the head and, like, knees him in the shin super hard. Just, like, fucking jabs in the fucking... <laughs> yeah, Jesus, it's, it's not great on this <laughs> <laughs> What makes me so happy is that this is obviously what a Japanese man must have experienced at some point in an airport <laughs> and just gone... You know what? I'm going to make a character about this guy. <laughs> Flight to Tokyo is now boarding. And he starts walking away. My only daughter has been married to a Japanese man for over 20 years. She fell in love on the other side of the world and never came home again. Her son rarely gets to see his own grandfather. That's why I'll never forgive the Japanese. <laughs> then again, I do like my Walkman. And then he pulls out a Walkman. Sony Walkman puts in a cassette. We don't see what's on it. Oh. Though in our future parts, we... Where a similar thing happens, we do get to see what's on cassettes that are being played at the end of parts. Oh, which is okay. a nice touch. Wait, so there's like a bit where he puts in a cassette at the end of episodes, and then it plays that. Oh, music at the or... end. I'm not going to get into spoiler territory. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Suffice to say, there is a future scene with a Walkman in it. Okay. It is the '80s, after yes. all. Uh, but yeah, I do like my Walkman. He presses play, and we cut to a black screen, and Bloody Stream starts playing. Ah, oh, credits. So hype. Such a good ending. So, uh, on the subject of Bloody Stream, uh-huh. last shot of the OP in uh, this part mm-hmm. is camera panning from Joseph up to the night sky slash space and a shooting star, <laughs> foreshadowing Cars' ultimate fate. <laughs> I just love that it's like, man, it's so meaningful and metaphorical. No, it's literally <laughs> he gets sent into space. Yep. Even the name, <laughs> The Ascendant One? Yeah. No, literally, that's, he just... Yeah, that's a pretty nice double meaning. Yeah. Like, he's ascending to godhood and also yeah. just... Ascending. He's literally just going up. <laughs> he's he's going up there. Yep. Pretty good. Fucking genius. The end, right? That's the end. Of the end. Nothing else happens. The end. Question mark. Uh, we see a shot of the plane traveling out of America towards Japan. We see part two, Battle Tendency. Fun. 
fin, you know, fin. What, you mean fin? Like fin. Well, it's French. It is French. Fin. But let's be honest, we say finish. The end. There we go. Atlantic Ocean, near the Canary Islands, 1983. A boat is hauling something up from the seafloor. What? What? What's it hauling up? A 100-year-old chest. What? There could be anything inside. Treasure? We see an ornate lock on a chest with the word Dio emblazoned on it. (gasps) What? What? No! Cut from that to a camera zooming into a prison cell, there's a lot of menacing katakana. It's super dark. A man wearing a black hat, a big coat with a big chain coming off it. And uh, he's like... And a shadowy face stares into the camera. Almost like that guy from A Clockwork Orange in the first scene. I don't know if you noticed, but also when the camera was zooming in, uh, on the left side of the screen was also a guitar amp. What? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh, shit. Get hype. Just get so hype. To be continued. Actually, there's no more music. It's just... That brings us to the end of Battle Tendency. We did it! We fucking did it! Everything changes from this point. No more Hamon. No more... You keep telling me that nothing changes. I mean, everything changes. Everything changes. But how much can it change by? That's the thing. Well, this is something I was going to bring up later after you did your predictions. Yeah. But um, I think I've also mentioned this previously in the show. From this point on, the series loses the sort of serialised nature that we had at this point, where yeah. sort of episodes, for the most part, seamlessly flow into another. And mm. after a certain point, it becomes much more episodic. Right. So it's like, this episode, this thing is happening. Then an indeterminate amount of time... The next episode happens and like, you know. Okay. With, so, with so it's occasional like, two-parters. So it's more like, okay, sort of this mo- thing happens. More mon- and monster thing... of the week sort of yeah. scenarios. Okay. So like any good d and enemy of the week rub. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, and when we, it doesn't happen immediately. Uh, but when we do reach that point, for the purposes of our prediction segment, I'm going to start giving you the title of the, um, the next episode. Okay. Just so right. you have a bit more to go on than, again, like, they're doing their thing and a, a, a bad guy happens. <laughs> A bad man. Yeah. He's big bad. Before we get to that, first of all, let's do our highlights and lowlights segment. Oh my god. Oh my god, let's. Okay, so my highlight would have to be the fact that he got sent into space. It's such a genius way of dealing with the threat that cannot be killed. Mm. It's just, well... Just get rid of it. If we fling him into space, he won't die, but he can't take over Earth. And there is sort of something about, like, you talk about, like... Uh, and this part on the previous one, vampires, and I guess the Pillar Men by extension being unnatural creatures. Yeah. So there's something about sort of the Earth almost consciously ejecting him. Yeah. That really works for me. It's so good. Yeah. It's such a good way of dealing with that kind of threat. So, uh, yeah, getting sent into space. <laughs> uh, for my money, I'm just going to take that moment that I totally marked out about in our recap with Joseph moving the red stone, then Sonichino Sadame kicking in and the flashbacks happening, and Joseph... Just moving entirely on instinct, which is again is another important aspect of his fights. Mm. I mean, it's just oh, it's so much hype. Yeah, low lights. Speedwagon's dead. R I P. R E O. Speedwagon. However, that's not the low light. No. The low light is that he bore no children. No little speedwagons running yeah, around. No future speedwagon heirs, right? If we're gonna get anyone from Speedwagon Foundation, it's gonna be like, ah, yes, my name is uh, Roberto Planty. <laughs> My name is... My name is Dickinson Bruce. (laughs) You're just like, yeah, look. You're not as cool as Ario Speedwagon. Alas. Well, if there's one thing Speedwagon taught us, it's to live every moment. Moment. Love every day. I'm I'm watching you. It's an Ario Speedwagon. I know, I know. (laughs) I wasn't sure if you were were with me on that. (laughs) My low light. Very hard call. 
I have a lot of trouble, as you know. Oh, yeah. Um, this is a hype app. Yeah. This will mean a lot. It ended. The thing is, I have time to think about this. I watched these beforehand. <laughs> I already know what happened. Yeah. But... And you're just like, but, but... Mm, yeah. I mean, the fact that it had to end, you know. Uh, it's a good ending, though. It is a good ending, but it did have to end. You know what? I'm going to... woman. I'm going to get a little, um, sort of, I guess, light spoilery in my low light. Um, okay. So, you've probably... Just use vague. There's this. No, no, guy. It's, it's not about plot. Oh. So you've probably assumed that, based on how it ended, that Joseph is going to make an appearance in the next part. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> the thing that's always really jarring to me is because because the Stardust Crusaders anime was produced a couple of years after this one, and also it may be, may be drawn that way in the manga too, and just general art style shifts. Yeah. Joseph looks actually quite different from what he looks like in this episode. Oh. Like he's still got the grey beard and the grey hair. And the sort of general colour scheme, but his beard is sort of more closely cropped and his hair is not nearly yeah. as wild. Uh, and his coat is sort of the same colour, but completely different. Right. So he's still the same guy. He just looks it's just like stylistically like everyone else in part three. Yeah. Right. Um, and just, it's just a bit jarring seeing him like he is at the end of part two. Because it's like, that almost looks like the guy I'm really familiar with. <laughs> but we're not quite there yet. Yeah. Okay. So, before we get on to predictions, I want to do a just a sort of general retrospective for the show so far. I think it's a good thing to sort of yeah. take stock at the end of parts. <sighs> Part three is going to be like, cool, so we'll do a retrospective in four years. Yeah. So, I guess, um, thoughts on part one as it, part two as it compares to part one first. I think I like part one more. Oh, interesting. Part one, I think, was like a great introduction and then part two was just a really jarring kind of like, oh yeah, but I'm going to take this turn in terms of like a tone. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's true. Part two was definitely a lot more satisfying in terms of like the logical conundrums that they came up with. <laughs> However, like I, I guess, and also a lot of the confrontations in part one by that same sort of metric are just, can Jonathan punch this guy? Yeah, pretty much. It's like, can I punch him hard enough so as to kill him? And there were a couple of exceptions to that, like um, the fire or when they go under the water. Yeah. But, but the, the end goal is also, it was always Jonathan getting close enough to this guy to punch him. Yeah, pretty much. But there was like this sort of idealistic nature to Jonathan, mm. which was always quite riveting to me. Because it's like, oh man, he's just like a super manly dude who's like, this is what men do. Men do these things. And then Joseph is like, not the opposite, but he's just different. Yeah, I think in general, part one is much more simplistic. Like, mm. Jonathan is the simple hero archetype. The plot is a fairly straightforward affair compared to future mm. parts. But it sets everything up. But it still does something, it does everything with such style as well. Yeah. Like you've got Speedwagon with his hat. Yeah. You've got Zapelli. His other hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there's just like a lot of stuff that you can like dig mm. into there and just be like, man, you know what? He's a cool guy. Whereas part two is like, yes, you are helping us, but man, are you a dick. <laughs> you know? I mean, it makes sense. It's quite fun. It's a fun journey that you're like, man, this is entertaining. But as far as, like, I can get on his side, it's a lot harder. Joseph is a really fun guy to watch. He's a fun hero to have a fun yeah. time with. Man, I would not want to hang out with the guy. Yeah. It's, he walks into a funeral of someone else. Cough, cough. Hey, guys. Why didn't anyone pick me up from the airport? Guess who it is? <laughs> and you're just like, okay. Uh, hmm. Yeah, hmm. But that's sort of like his charm is that he's a massive asshole. Yeah. But he knows, like, he has the direction, he has the moral compass there. Just a bit of a shame that he's a massive <laughs> asshole. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's fun. It's mm. fun to watch, not so fun to be around. 
So I don't know. I like part one more in that regard, but part two is definitely better. Right. In terms of like a story, just because like... I do think it is a little irritating that no one really does anything of consequence successfully other than Joseph. Yeah. Caesar is always set up to be like his rival slash best friend, but in the end... In the end is out. The only thing he does is almost beat Lamu. Yeah. Like in the first fight when they're in the catacombs... Whamu slashes up his face a tiny bit, and then he's out. And literally, like, when Caesar dies, Whamu basically goes back to full health. Immediately? Yeah. Though, as we talked about during those fight episodes... It wouldn't have allowed him to, you know... Joseph couldn't have won without the bandana and the ring. Yeah. So, you know, his death still helped, but at the same time... Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Not as good. Not as good as it could have been. Mm. However, Joseph is just... Oh, there are bits where you're just like, man, you know what? Let the world burn. <laughs> Let it burn. Let the vampires take over. It's fine. He should not be a hero. So, um, anything else to say about the parts? I think it's going to be interesting because, like, the way I see JoJo's is, like, a satire of masculinity in a sense. Bear with me. I think if you're reading any sort of irony into this no, show, no, no, you no. misunderstand There's it. no, like, irony. It's just, like, cool. So, Jonathan was, like, manly man. Joseph is, like jovial boy that never quite grew up Mm -hmm. so part three what else is there in terms of like common views of like this kind of guy for a protagonist to be okay that's interesting so like you know everyone around jonathan is like you can be a strong man you can like do good with your life and he's like yeah everyone around joseph is like man you're such a cocky asshole yeah you're just like you know what you're a cocky asshole but you're effective and when it comes down to when it comes to the crunch you've got our back exactly right and so that's like another kind of masculine thing. Right, okay, that's has, interesting. You know? Yeah, where it's like, you know what? You're a massive asshole because you're like, you're an over-masculinized one-upper. <laughs> but when it comes to one-upping, you're the best there is. On the uh, note of you um, describing it as like almost satire, hmm. to me, Jojo really embodies this, um, there's this school of cultural thought called the new sincerity. The new sincerity. Which is sort of a, a reaction to sort of the era of irony. Yeah. Which, because, you know, irony is all about this thing is really dumb, let's go laugh at it. Yeah. Whereas the new sincerity is, like, an attitude that I think Jojo really embodies, like, this thing is really dumb, it's awesome. Yeah. No, that sounds great. That's, like, the best way to live your life. Yeah. (laughs) This is why everyone loves monster trucks. Exactly, yes. It's like, dude, it's so dumb. Let's do it. (laughs) And then you watch it and you're like, fuck yeah, this is dumb. Mm -hmm. I can get on board with this. Or, like, um, uh, what's another good example? I'm just thinking of, like, all the video games that have done... Like, Call of Duty. Yep. Um, you're not a fan of this, but I think it really works. Um, Metal Gear Solid Rising Revengeance. I'm not a fan of this. <laughs> but that is also really dumb and really cool. <sighs> okay, sure. Let's roll with that. <laughs> or, like, No More Heroes. Yeah, like, No More Heroes, yeah. yeah. Where it's just like, hey, I'm like an otaku. Let me just get my saber that is powered by me jacking it off effectively. Yep. And you're like, this is funny. <laughs> Let's go with this. And also, while we're doing our Between Parts talk, this is something I wanted to bring up... Uh, when we finished part one, but I forgot about it at the time. Mm. The part names that we use, Phantom Blood, um, Battle, Battle Tendency, Tendency yeah. Stardust Crusaders, Next Time. Yeah. Uh, they are actually retroactively named. Uh, they, were came, they were first come up with around the time of part six, I think. Oh. So at the time of release, these things were referred to by uh, part one, Jonathan Joestar, his youth. Oh. Part two, Joseph Joestar, his proud lineage. And we'll be back next time with, um, do you want to give you the protagonist's name? You've seen his ge- face. I want to guess. Okay. I want to um, guess. Part three, protagonist name, Heritage for the Future. 
heritage for the future. Yeah, which is why the um the part three fighting game that came out on like both arcade boxes and like the Super NES, I think, yeah. is called Heritage for the Future. Right. Huh. So why did they retroactively rename them? I'm not sure, really. Hmm. I guess uh, they wanted to get away from having the protagonist names in each part, maybe. Um, Does there come a point where maybe there's like more than one JoJo in the series or in that part, or they're not necessarily? Well, as we the talked main about previously, or... Joseph at least makes an appearance in part three. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, he probably isn't the protagonist. Yeah. Well, this Just actually that out there. this actually leads quite neatly into something I wanted to talk to you about as you got into your prediction segment. So yeah. let's segue into that. So. As I keep saying, end of part two, everything is different now. Yeah, you keep saying <laughs> everything is different now. I think through our conversations, you've been quite well prepped to accept the fact that Hamon is gone and stands in the new hotness. Yeah, well... And the fact that we always talked about how, like, especially throughout part two, it gets sort of increasingly... Ridiculous. ...in the things it can do. Like, oh yeah, Hamon through the Redstone of Asia. Okay, now... So, like, strange. missing Hamon is often one of the common pla- complaints of people adjusting to part three, I've found. Mm. Uh, and the other one is the fact that Joseph is still alive, but he doesn't really seem as proactive as he was in part two. Because there's no Hamon. We just have to accept Probably. that it's he's there, but it's not his story anymore. It's yeah. the story of the new Jojo. Right. Okay. And I think if you can sort of go in with the mindset to accept that you're gonna have a real fun time as of next week okay all right so everything is different now everyone's gonna look different so with those um with those thoughts i want to uh, ask you nick ballantyne what do you think is going to (gasps) happen next time in jojo's bizarre adventure part three stardust crusaders okay i've been thinking about this okay let me just he's got some notes let me unlock my phone it's funny, um, when I, f- I had read, like, some one-sentence, um, uh, summaries of, like, each Jojo part way mm. before I got in the series, mm. and I'd seen the design of the protagonist, as we saw at the end of this episode. Yeah. So that got me, that, for some reason, that had me thinking, along with the name Stardust Crusaders, that this took place, it took place in, like, the year 3000 in space, <laughs> and, like, Dio's back in space. Wait, it doesn't happen then? Ah, <laughs> uh, not worth my time. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised when that wasn't the case. Wait, it's just like, oh, it's 1987. Cool. Okay, so, here's what I've done, okay? I've got two sets of predictions. Okay, uh, give me the highlights from each. Okay, basically, I wrote this. It says here, 1.50am. Okay. So, I was up until 1.50 thinking, what the fuck's gonna happen? This is before I watched the episode. This is what I thought would happen. Predictions. Dio will return. Did we talk about at the end of part one, about how... The coffin? Yeah, the coffin that Arena floated away yeah, in yeah, yeah, is yeah. also now the coffin that Dio spent a hundred years in. Been pulled up. Bit of a bit of a plot hole there. Yeah. So either they didn't take the coffin or something it's, else I, has happened. I'm pretty sure it literally just Araki forgot that yeah. there's yeah. a short story, it might be in George Joestar, mm. that accounts for like the three days that Arena and Dio spent in the coffin together, like mm. sw- switching places between day and night cycles. <laughs> but that's not that's not Something that's part of the we'll see, the plot. I'll get to why I think maybe it makes sense. Okay. Later. Okay. So I literally thought this is what I've written down. Dio will return. Everyone loves part three. Everyone loves Dio. Coincidence. <laughs> Jojo Bizarre Adventure Part Three. Everyone loves Dio. Yeah, pretty much. The other reason is Jonathan died at the hands of Dio. Yep. It seems only fitting that Joseph too must die to Dio. Interesting. So I'm thinking that there would be some form of like parallelism in the narrative. Because you've got the two competing bloodlines of the Brando family and the Joestar family. Oh, Dio specifically. Yeah, basically just Dio. <laughs> so I think narratively it would make sense if Joestar dies. 
So then I've literally written down after that, Joseph will die, as mentioned. What greater motivation than to witness your mentor slash father killed or sacrificing themselves? As we now know, grandfather. Yeah, grandfather. What prime territory for revenge? Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Joseph's family will be the Jojos, right? So, so it's uh, like, oh, Joseph's dead. Let's, like, come on, bros, let's go. Yeah, literally that. So maybe there's, like, he goes and finds his cousin. Yep. He goes and gets his dad. And he's like, you know what? Your cousin can help us. He's like, cool, let's Ante go. up, down. let's go. So maybe, like, half the show is just getting them together and being like, you know what? There's this douchebag called Dio. Let's fuck him up. It'd be pretty fun. The other reason is that it would be a shared burden. And what other way could you explain defeating Dio? Right. Who would probably grow more powerful the older he gets? Who knows? Assuming he shows up, which he will. Uh, Susie Q will be gone. Okay. Okay. I'm thinking Susie Q's fucking fed up of Joseph's <laughs> Had shit. Had enough of your shit, Joseph. Yeah. I can't, like, have breakfast without you, like, pulling a pile of string out from behind my ear and being like, <laughs> Look, here's your toast all along. Now, stop the clicking. Stop the clicking. <laughs> okay. So, she'll separate from Joseph, but she'll show up a bit like Lisa Lisa did. Okay. They'll probably seek her out for aid at some point. Speedwagon's dead, and I've written down, there'll be a death scene. There, kind there of, was. Kind ish, of. Yeah. But what will he leave Joseph? Ah, he's got that foundation. Yeah. I think, at the time, which we now know is totally untrue, he will leave him a key to a vault or some kind of thing... Maybe shows where the coffin that Arena had escaped in is held. Right. Because I thought maybe the Speedwagon Foundation held the coffin somewhere for research or something, you know, and maybe Dio's head was in it. Oh, we forgot that, um... Uh-huh. Did you... Oh, I forgot for our conversation till this point, but yeah. did you, that Santana is still in the Speedwagon Foundation vaults under UV lighting. He is! He had the weird snake things as yeah. well, didn't he? Uh, spoiler, that never comes up again. I imagine after this point, it's pretty simple for Joseph to just sort of go over when he has some spare time and just finish him off. Yeah. So I've also got Lisa Lisa will rejoin us, question mark. No. (laughs) Uh, I think she'll either die, she doesn't, or go back to the island to live out the rest of her days. No, she apparently just goes to America. What about the Zappelli bloodline? What about the Zappelli bloodline? There will be another, I think. I reckon that his name will be something very Italian, born from Caesar's brother? Right. Question mark? Unless he was an only. Oh. I've written down O-M-L-Y. <laughs> well, we know he wasn't. Yeah. So, what about cousins? Someone's Zappelli will show up. They have to. It's the law. The bloodlines are intrinsically destined. Yeah. So then I've got, what will the tone of part three be? Because this is important, because you say everything changes. So, stance probably means heavily logic-based battles, but there's a more serious operatic vibe <laughs> okay from part one don't know if that's so true anymore well, part one as we talk about is kind of like glam dracula yeah part two is sort of a um indiana jones style globe trotting adventure yeah part three question mark who knows and then i've written down stroheim you know what yeah yeah he'll a- come back <laughs> i honestly think we might see him again if he gets through this episode he did not nope i thought what would happen is He'd be old, grizzled, vindictive, perhaps an adversary more so than an ally, scorned by his failings from the war. But even he would know that war is merely a squabble between two sides of the same team. And for the JoJo's, if they asked, he would surely oblige. (laughs) Come on, you have to admit, that'd be fucking rad. He's just full cyborg now. His brain's in a jar. Oh, like Baxter Stockman. Exactly. Oh yeah, and then the next Joe. What did I think the next Joe would be like? Tell me. 
uh, a strong gentleman for the next Joshua. Ooh. Yeah. So I thought Joseph never really had that, like that gentlemanly side. Yep. He was always like a sort young of in kid. stark contrast to Jonathan. Exactly. Right. So the new guy will take Jonathan's sensibilities and Jonathan's sort of tactfulness and you know heartfelt demeanor, but then he'll take Joseph's kind of uh, logic and yeah, let's go get him. I'm the best attitude. That's an interesting, um, interesting idea because I believe I've read that at some point the series was planned to just be the three parts. Yeah. Uh, so that huh. it would come and it would be Joseph and uh, Jonathan and Dio. Then Dio goes away for a while. We'd learn more about the origins of vampires and the masks. Hmm. Dio comes back. Final and confrontation. That's... Yeah. Well, the end. But then it just kept going. Yeah. Okay. So then. After having done all that, I After having actually watched the episode. Yeah. After having watched the episode, I wrote these down very quickly. New Joe looks hella serious. And I thought, maybe he's completely humorless in universe. Interesting. But to us, it's fucking hilarious. Right, right. right? Where you're watching and you're like, oh, fuck yes. Oh, do that. Like, you know how Jonathan was like, I need to save them. But like... It wasn't very funny to us. You were like, you know what? Yeah, I'm on board with that. Mm -hmm. This is just going to be like, I need to fuck him up. (laughs) Except he does it in a way that's so over the top that you're like, yes, this is amazing. You know? Mm -hmm. Because we sort of went from like manly poses in part one to super manly poses in part two. Oh yeah, people posing like Superman. Yeah. So part three has to up the fucking ante. So it's just going to be ridiculous. We'll see new Joseph, new Joe... Joe's mum or dad, hmm. I reckon, and maybe like a cousin or something. Uh, stand. What is it? How does it kill vampires? I don't know. Why would you change it? Show, I don't know. I'll show you next what it is next week. Okay. Or maybe just um. Or just wait. Off air because everyone who's listening probably knows what it is. But there is a shot of Joseph's stand in the OP for part two. Is there? Well, a representation of it rather. Is it the clackers? No. Oh, okay. Uh, it's very subtle. Okay. Dio definitely returns. We know this now. Yep. Wang might return. Wang Chun. Don't think he will. <laughs> we talked before we started recording about how he's very dead. He's very dead. The only other thing that I've written down is 1987. Are they in Japan? Hell yeah. So, what I reckon's going to happen from this point out is that we're going to have less fictional places. Okay. Because what tends to happen with Japanese authors is that they live in Japan... And then they just bring stuff in from Japan that's like, oh yeah, there's this place in Japan that I know about. Yeah. So either we're going to get the fake McDonald's effect, <laughs> or we're going to get real actual like streets, like that giant street crossing. Yep. Or we're going to get like a little alleyway with an actual thing that's referenced. Because when did he start writing Stardust Crusaders? Oh, the 90s? I'm not sure off the top of my head. Uh, no, still the 80s, I think. Okay, so he probably would have been like, you know what, what exists around me right now? Yeah, right. I've got an idea. I've got an idea. And then he'll just start being like, there's this little ramen shop that exists down here <laughs> that is home to a man. And it's like, you know, going down actual pathways of people that live there, mm. which would be freaking awesome, right? Because then you could go to Japan and be like, that's in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then that also is sort of like the opposite of part one and two, because he didn't live there. And so he made up places. Yep. Now he does live here. He doesn't have to make up places, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. But 1987 is an interesting period. It's 100 years on from the first part. Yeah. And Joseph's going over there. Well, 1987 had a lot of metal. Like, a lot of hair metal, a lot of glam metal, a lot of, uh, sort of harder metal than the 70s did. Because, you know, the 60s and 70s was like the birth of metal. Okay. And then 80s was sort of its real coming of 
you know, well, not coming of age, but, you know, it came into the limelight. Yeah. So I reckon there's going to be a lot more, like, metal references and a lot more hella over-the-top dudes as well. Because that's just what the 80s was. It was like, I'm going to pose in this incredible, fashionable garb with a mullet. Yep. Uh, Don't know how many mullets we're going to see, but we're going to see a lot of over-the-top dudes. I mean, we had mullets in part one, if you recall. We did. We did. That's true. But this is going to be... I mean, this is looking already a lot more glam. Mm. Like, the fact that he has a chain on his oversized jacket (laughs) with a hat just draped ever so slightly over his, like, what was it, left eye? Just... Alright, those are some solid predictions. Yep. Let's, we are running a bit long since uh, we've had a lot to talk about this episode. Oh, God, but so let's, uh, let's quickly respond to some, some sort of emails that are specifically targeted at this episode. Okay. Um, this email comes from uh, Harrison Lyons. They write, Hey guys, I'd like to uh, just start off by saying how much I enjoy your podcast. Jojo is a very lovable series and it's great to hear some fellow Australian fans talking about it. Thank the you. move to a weekly schedule has been awesome, and I hope you guys can keep it up. I'm looking forward to hearing Nick's thoughts on the ends of Battle Tendency, and of course, part three. When you guys do get around to watching Stardust Crusaders, I would highly recommend watching um, the episodes done by Some Stuffs, which is a, a fan subbing. Okay. I'm just gonna. This is a longer email, so I'm just going to skim over it. We may look into it, but for the most part, I think we are... That might be a special one. So, yeah, we yeah. are sort of trying to stick with the crunchy roll where possible for the, if minimal, financial support it provides to the... I mean, the other thing is that those are the official... Subs, aren't they? Yeah, I think like, so. And, a, and a, any sub will have interpretation, but a yeah. fan sub especially. I mean, this, this writer is of the opinion that they provide a, a better experience overall. Uh, and they use the Blu-ray quality okay. things. But I think um, also for legal purposes, you don't really want to be talking about yeah. the piracy you do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll give it some thought. It might be a special episode where it's like, what has the best like difference between official and fan sub? And then just make a special episode one day and be like, we're just going to do this instead. Mm, yeah. Then they have some uh, some spoiler-free questions for you and some spoiler-ish questions that uh, I will answer off-air for me. Okay. So, Nick. Mm. Oh, we've already discussed this one. How would you compare parts one and two in their respective JoJo's? We just sort of went over that at length. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> if you hadn't noticed, different parts, of someti- different parts sometimes tend to put a focus on a particular genre of fiction. Phantom Blood had a lot of horror. Mm-hmm. Battle Tendency is more of an Indiana Jones-style adventure. Mm-hmm. Are there any genres you expect or want in future parts? Ooh. Ooh. Okay, I expect this one will probably be maybe like a thriller kind of thing. Okay. So like every single episode, if it's more episodic, every episode starts with the premise of, oh no, we have to do X. And then the tension is like, can they do it? Yeah, the tension is, can they do it? And then when they do do X, either something else will come up that's like, oh, but. Cascade effect. Yeah. Or it'll be, cool, we did that thing. Now we have to keep going because the meta arc is still there. So something like, you know, a ticking time bomb sort of idea. Yeah. Where every episode is like, okay, cool, we did this. That'll help with the bomb. Still need to get more. Right. So sort of um, a long-term goal with um, sort of short-term exact problems. Yeah. I think I've joked about this before on the show, mm. but I really want to see a future part that's uh, centred around a dating reality show. Oh my god. <laughs> That'd be amazing. No, I reckon what would be really interesting would be um, something like The uh, the Martian or Apollo 13, where you're working backwards. So you're like, okay, I know this, but I don't have the luxury of just being able to do it. So I need to figure out a way to do it before I can do right, it. Right, yeah. So even if there's just one episode of, oh, I need to get there, but this is what I have. So how using this can I get there, yeah. you know? 
That'd be really interesting to me from a JoJo sense because they could be like, okay, we have these stands. Let's utilize them in such a way that I can yeah. proceed forward. Or what would also be fucking dope would be a sort of ragtag team heist. Oh, heists are so cool. Yeah, so a good JoJo heist where it's like, we have the Redstone of Asia. What if Dio just steals it and they're like, we don't care about Dio because he's half dead at this point. <laughs> What we need to do is take the Redstone of Ages so that he does actually die. Right. Right? And then the entire show is just one giant heist. <laughs> and, like, the first three episodes explain the heist and the other, like, 23 are just this one heist. That would be really bad pacing. Yeah, it would be. Anyway, um... Or a Sherlocky thing. Any of them... And finally, uh, do you know any of the names of future parts? If so, what do you think uh, they could be about from those alone? Uh... No, just, no, I know one- You're not allowed to. I, I know one of the future protagonist's names because a dude that voiced something in Persona voiced another guy in JoJo. Okay. That's it. Uh, I know Stardust Crusaders. Yep. Technically, I know that one. <laughs> I, I think there's going to be some Stardust Crusading, maybe. <laughs> Actually. No, no, we've already done predictions. All right, segment. all right. We've got to keep moving. Okay, we've got to okay. keep moving. We're running along. Okay. Finally, I've got a, uh, an email from uh, Joshua Kevin Perry here too. Who's Joshua Kevin Perry? JKP. It's JKP. Frequent corresponder. My man! <laughs> uh, some combined questions for Eps 25 and 26. We are running very long, so I'm just going to speed through these. Okay, alright. And some of them for Eps 25 aren't relevant anymore. Okay, you're going to like this question. Okay. Do you think Joseph carried around olive oil before his ripple training? <laughs> Would you carry around olive oil to rub on your muscles at opportune times, if you were that manly? Did Caesar use liquid soap in the same manner? Hmm. I think they're two sides of the same coin. Joseph is a narcissistic asshole. So he would oil himself up like a Greek god, right? <laughs> that would make sense. Caesar, not narcissistic at all, but a bit of a germaphobe and a bit more hygienic than <laughs> Joseph. I mean, Joseph is from New York. No one in New York cleans themselves. <laughs> Boom! Everyone's filthy. Fuck you, New York. All right. Yeah, that's what I think. Sure. Not like slicking themselves up. Also, no, I don't think he carried around oil before the ripple started. <laughs> Uh, is Stroheim the best ally a Joestar Joe has had in parts 1 and 2? And, uh, interrelated question, uh, is he your favourite Nazi? If not, where would you rank him? Is that even a question? Yes, to both! What? <laughs> uh, what? I, I rank Speedwagon above, uh, above Stroheim personally. Oh, actually, yeah, that is a good point. I mean, Stroheim is the most ridiculous so far, which makes him the best he Nazi. He is very crazy. Um, yeah, but I think Speedwagon's probably the best ally just because he'll probably leave him with a whole foundation instead <laughs> of just a legacy of being a crazy Nazi. <laughs> uh, was the Aja prophecy fulfilled? What was the Aja prophecy? That the Redstone of Aja would somehow be instrumental in defeating the Pillar Men. That's hence why they couldn't destroy it. I mean, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. It launched him into space. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I've made my views on prophecy very clear. <laughs> um, but I think combined with the, with the bluff where it's like, don't kill us with all your vampires or we'll destroy the stone... Mm. Uh, and the launching into space, it does bear out, though I still think that they could have just destroyed it and then... Be done with it. Like, he wouldn't have been able to become the ultimate beings. They wouldn't have needed to destroy him. The UV light would have just killed him. Yeah, but I mean, maybe it's impervious to destruction. Okay, let me rephrase that. That's... Maybe it's indestructible. Let's not go into your weird alternate theories okay. here. Well, we're, anyway... We don't no, have I time th for this, Nick. Yeah, I think, like, it certainly didn't directly go through with the prophecy. But it was instrumental in bringing about the demise of, you know, the Pillarman. Because if Kars is the last one, which I think he is, since he killed the rest of them, that's it. They're, they're all dead. <laughs> but, well, he's not dead, but he's no more, basically. Unless in a future Jodo's part, they go into space. 
and then find just like I always wanted. Yeah, and then find his husk. 2001, the Jojo Odyssey. All right, there are some more questions here, but unfortunately uh, we have recorded about twice the length of our normal episodes uh, and it's getting very hot in the studio. You're getting warm. So I am going to be cutting this short. Sorry about that, JKP. I'll tell you what, if you send me parts, I can just write up text. I'll uh, let you write in your responses. Okay, cool. I guess that brings us to the end of the episode. For one last time, our theme song is Hot Mustard by S. Strong. My man. I Uh, just realised, S. Strong, S.S. Stroheim. Hmm. Yeah. Connections. Webs no, within webs. Not at all, but... Yeah. All of their music and more can be found on uh, their SoundCloud page, SoundCloud page, which is linked to on our website, uh, Jojo's pod- jojosworld.net. You can hire him from SoundClown. It's an awesome SoundClown page. Nick, you're killing me. <laughs> if you want to correspond with us, we can be reached at uh, Jojo's Podcast on Twitter or Jojo's Podcast at gmail.com. Do it. Yeah. So, until next time, to, to be, be continued. continued. Everything is different now. Oh my God. Probably gonna need to tune this bad. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine as is. Yeah. Liam, I don't know if you know anything about music, but uh, there's a thing called a key. You know, this uh, medical condition where I can't hear music. (laughs) Okay. Good. I wish I could play the guitar like that. Well, you can. I don't have the patience. Yeah, that's the difference between you and me. I'd like to buy a keyboard at some point, though. And then we have the swell, beautiful piano swell. Mm-hmm. That's definitely not in tune. And then I can't do this bit, but I'm gonna try. Fuck! Nice, nice! So good. I'll be the roundabout. (laughs) The words will make you out and out. I spend the day your way. Call it morning, driving through the sound and in and out the valley. The music dance and sing. They make the children really ring. I spend the day your way. Call it morning, driving through the sound and in and out the valley. Uh, top line. And then this bit, which is actually hella fun. Oh, oh wait, no, hang on. In and around the lake. I can't talk while doing Okay, mountains come out of the sky and they stand there. One mile over, we'll be there and we'll see you. Ten true summers will be there and laughing too. Twenty-four before my love, and you'll see, I'll be there with you. Uh, along the drifting cliff. Nope. Nope. I will remember you. Your silhouette will charge the view. Of distance atmosphere. Call it morning driving through the sound and even in the valley. In and around the lake. Mountains come out of the sky and they stand there. One mile over, we'll be there and we'll see you. Ten true summers, we'll be there and laughing too. Uh, 24 before my love you'll see. I'll be there with you. (laughs) Did you learn this specifically or 
have you always known this? this is I've very known this for quite some time. I'm very impressed. <laughs> and then we continue. Along the drifting cloud, the eagle searching down on the land. Catching the swirling wind, the sailor sees the rim of the land. The eagle's dancing wings create as weather spins out of hand. What the fuck is this song? These are the lyrics from Google Play, so I assume they're accurate. Good God. <laughs> Uh, go closer, hold the land. Feel partly no more than grains of sand. We stand to lose all time. A thousand answers by in our hand. Uh, next to your deepest fears. We stand surrounded by a million years. I'll be the roundabout. The words will make you out and out. I'll be the roundabout. The words will make you out and out. In and around the lake, mountains come out of the sky. Well, and they stand on. there. We have the whole solo bit first. Oh, okay. We just well the most important bit, which is. That's all I know. Okay. <laughs> and then we have the. In and around the lake, mountains come out of the sky and they stand there. Twenty-four before my love, and I'll be there. That's not it. Yes, it is. Uh. I'll be the roundabout. The words will make you out and out. I'll spend the day your way. Call it morning driving through the sound and in, in and out the valley. In and around the lake. Mountains come out of the sky and they stand there. <laughs> One mile over. We'll be there and we'll see you. Ten true summers. We'll be there and laughing too. Uh, 24 before my love, you'll see. I'll be there with you. Da, da la la da 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 la And then you just got that Fucking goddamn <laughs> Flawless okay. end of episode No wait <laughs> Perfect Nice Perfectly done Nice nice <laughs> That's it we did it for you Are you happy now? Are you satisfied? Are you goblins? 